Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi everybody, just a note from me, Rhiannon, to say that my new supplements company, Hurrah, is finally here. It's taken years to get this off the ground. Retrition Plus is evidence-based, rooted in science, focused on you, and we offer vitamin D sprays, folic acid spray, and a vegan multivitamin. So head over to retritionplus.com for supplements you can finally trust. Hello! Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Food for Thought. This is the podcast that's on a mission and it's going to equip you with all of the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, Sunday Times best-selling author of The Science of Nutrition. Please go check out my new book. I think it will help a lot of people out there. And founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. Now, in each of the 12 episodes, I'll be joined by guests, all of whom are experts in their field, which is wonderful. So together, we can all learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. To support your health, we need to consider macro and micronutrient consumption, and this is so you can reach your optimal well-being. But to what extent do we need to concentrate on these to thrive? Or is there a point where all of this counting of macronutrients can be detrimental to our health? This week's Food for Thought sees performance nutritionist Daniel Davey and I delve into what macronutrients and micronutrients are and the importance that they play in our diets. Hello, Daniel. Hello there. Uh, It's great to be back. Yeah, thank you so much for coming back on Food for Thought. I really wanted to do an episode focusing on this and I thought, who could give us a really good insight? And I was like, I know. Mm. (laughs) We'll have Mm. to get Daniel on because I think analysing macros and micros, I mean, is this really the be or end or to our, I guess, our overall health and physique? Well, it's, uh, it, you know, the more that uh, time goes on, the more we tend to go back to what our parents and what our grandparents did and what the messages were around variety and enjoyment of food and the social aspect of food. So I feel really strongly that it's not the be all and end all, uh, but we we have to work through it and we have to explain, you know, why learning more about food and even as our awareness grows, that it's not about becoming obsessed with the numbers and getting lost in the in the minutiae mm. of nutrition. So that's kind of my summary to start. 
Yeah, and I really like that because I think we need to bring an emphasis. I mean, I know that this podcast is titled Food for Thought, but we do need to bring an emphasis back to the fact that we eat food and not just numbers. And I think there's some public health messaging or something has definitely switched and we need to kind of bring it back, like you said, to a little bit of basic education. So let's start with uh, what are macros and what are micros? Yeah, well, in the simplest form, food is made up of lots of different components and and nutrients, but it's about uh, understanding where our energy comes from. And as you said, macronutrients are carbohydrate, protein and fat. And then micronutrients are the tiny little components that, you know, give food their color, uh, made up of different vitamins and minerals and uh, I, I, I fight on nutrients and antioxidants. So, so they're they're the things that help with the biological processes that come that that go on in our in our body. And um, whereas with their macronutrients, they have the carbohydrate will provide us with energy. Protein will provide us the components for building new tissue and repair and fat. Then, as you well know, has a major uh, role in the production of key hormones. Mm. And energy, of course, not to forget. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important that we understand that we need these key nutritional elements in our diet to survive and function on a very um, small biological level every day. It's amazing, isn't it, what our body does that we don't even have any kind of conscious level of thought about. So we we Mm. don't just pick up a um oh gosh my mind this morning favoring a banana (laughs) yes we don't just pick up a banana and think oh this contains potassium this is great for my heart today or you know (laughs) exactly exactly and and i I don't think you know as you were talking through i don't think we're supposed to (laughs) (laughs) we're supposed to pick it up and go you know it i definitely feel like this gives me some energy and it's an enjoyable fruit to eat yeah Yeah, precisely, precisely. So would you say then, because I think there's a lot of messaging, I have to say a lot of it comes online. And then I think the media these days take a lot of their headlines and sources of inspiration from the online world. And well, obviously, being the fact that everything is going that way anyway, but would you say that all macronutrients have an equal importance? Or are some specifically more important than others because that's what seems to be a a bit of worrying messaging i'm seeing yeah so i i think that they all have equal in terms of relevance uh, to an individual person so you know if you take something like carbohydrate for example which there's been a huge amount of discussion about over the you know particularly over the past 10 years and we hear about things like low carbohydrate diets uh, we hear about moderate carb and and some even no carbohydrate diets so if you are somebody who's active you know you spend a lot of time on your feet you've got a labor intensive job or you're an athlete well we know carbohydrate is absolutely critical for you to be at your best and as time has gone on we've seen some of the implications of not consuming sufficient carbohydrate and and energy we've seen this having major implications for things like immunity and highly active people and going back to that to energy metabolism we're seeing where it's having that major effect on on, an underlying fatigue in people who are not getting enough carbohydrate so i suppose that goes straight to the heart of it whereas 
you know, if we're not protein is flavor of the of the year at the moment or at the months <laughs> where, you know, there's protein in chocolate bars, there's protein everywhere. <laughs> so we don't have to worry as much about that. Um, but fat had its time uh, too, where it was uh, assassinated for a couple of, of decades as well. Whereas now we know omega-3 and as I said earlier, the, the production of key hormones. And we know that that is critical for uh, a, a healthy diet. Absolutely. It's almost, um, I mean, nutrition becomes fashionable, which is worrying because nutrition is a science, which of course is evolving. And of course, things are going to change. I mean, you and I, I mean, I doubt it on the subject of macros and micros, but we might be sat here in 10 years time, Daniel, looking back and thinking, oh, well, we were wrong about that. Um, you know, some things can change over time, can't they? Oh, wow. That's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. And I, I made the same mistakes myself. And, and I, I think that that comes from experience and access to information. And yeah, like you, you, you do have to stay abreast of the information and you, you got to stay up to date. And uh, you also need to be willing to say exactly what you just said. We, we got that wrong. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, I was having one chat on it was actually a podcast episode we recorded about the emerging evidence of DNA. And we had, um, we've got research now, some people do thrive off a lower protein, higher carb diet, of course, and other yes. people's genetics are more predisposed to higher protein, lo lower carb. It, it works Absolutely. both ways. Absolutely. I've, I've read that same piece of research and, yeah. and, and even the implications of, of our gut and our microbiome mm. and the production of, and, and, and the availability of that energy and how that affects uh, our, our glucose levels. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. You're right. And, and, and one other one as well, I suppose that I, I'm, I, I don't know, this is really playing to my, to my, to my <laughs> Irish name and culture as we approach St. Patrick's Day, but alcohol. You know, yes. I, I would have had my biases towards, ah, you know, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would have made reasons to justify it. But as we go on and go on, we, you know, we're looking at mm. the recommended intake of alcohol over the course of the week. And maybe even that is above where it should be. Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, um, do you know what? I can't, I can't go down the rabbit hole of the alcohol conversation now because I will go off par. But yeah, well, I find these conversations absolutely fascinating. And again, the individual differences we have and the response to what we set as public health guidelines, I find yes. that also a really, yes. you know, a yes. key, which is so difficult to navigate. But Let's discuss, if we take this conversation back to the macronutrients, we've discussed the role that they play and the fact they work together. But what are the recommendations that we currently have, I suppose, of, you know, ratios of macronutrients in our diet? And, you know, is it easy for everybody to just tailor it to their individual needs? Yeah, so recommendations around uh, I, I think we can we can go a couple of different ways. You can go uh, based on your body weight, or you can go on percentages. But I, I suppose the general recommendations is that we get forty five to fifty percent of our, or anywhere between forty and fifty percent for the general population of our, our energy from carbohydrates to um, to twenty five percent from from fats to thirty percent fats, or even a little bit higher, and and then the same for protein. 
Um, and, and I suppose where that varies then are based around individual goals and the demands that we place on our body. And, you know, I work with a lot of professional elite athletes and mm. their need for carbohydrate can go up to as much as 70% of, yeah. of their calories. So it, it and, and then, you know, fat and, and protein need to be modified to meet that. So uh, I, I think it's important to go back to where we started around the recommendations and that if you're eating a balanced plate and mm. it's well represented with vegetables, a source of protein uh, and a e- easier, slow digesting source of carbohydrate, we'll meet those percentages quite comfortably. We don't need to overthink it. Mm. Uh, and once we, we have that, uh, that the, 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 those components uh, nicely represented, it's amazing how those fill those numbers that we're looking for without really working that hard on it. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, from what you've just said as well, I think a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves and perhaps it's the need to control our diets more or you know, aspirational goals that we see that others have maybe achieved from following a specific, uh, let's say, macro counting diet. It's interesting to hear, and we're the same in the nutrition clinic, obviously the difference between sports nutrition and uh, an athlete's goals are vastly different to general, <laughs> us, general public, I'd say me actually mm-hmm. in particular, you know, someone that doesn't really go to the gym much, if ever. And it, do you think we all need to be working out our macro or micronutrients? nutrient needs daily because you see some people online really saying this is the only way that you will achieve a energy deficit you need to macro count yeah so a lot of people are amazed when i tell them that most of the best athletes that i work with or most of the committed athletes that i work with don't track their macros Mm. at all and 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 yes, these are people who train sometimes twice a day, five days a week, and have matches at the weekend. So uh, and and compete at the at the weekend. So you know, if you, if you think about those type of people and and the margins that they're working off, and how important it is for them to be meeting their need for for calories and carbohydrate, protein, and fat, and they're not doing it, then there's no need for the vast majority of the population uh, to scrutinize what they're eating and, and meet certain uh, numbers, as you said, macronutrient numbers. I will say that having really good conversations around macronutrients uh, and where nutrients come from mm. and talking through in practical terms roughly how much carbohydrate you get from a slice of bread or how much carbohydrate you get for that banana that we talked about earlier. (laughs) That's helpful. You know, it gives people an understanding and it helps them to put that plate together that we talked about. So if we're saying we get between 30 and 40 grams of protein from a chicken breast or, you know, from a glass of milk, we're getting approximately 10 grams of protein. Then if we spend a little bit of time early on having those conversations, then, okay, well, I know if I eat this type of way, which is quite typical for me, it will help me meet my nutrition needs on any given day. And I will always say for athletes, again, we talk in meals. So two more meals that look like this that are balanced will help you meet that energy need and help you meet those nutrient needs. 
Absolutely. I love that. Knowledge is power. It really is. It's, it's when we cross the line and become dogmatic and prescriptive on a wide level that it becomes worrying. It's a bit like you said, I think everybody has the right to have access to that information. I mean, it makes perfect sense. And I do really wish that by the time my son gets to school, that there is a little bit more education on what protein sources are there for you. You know, all of them, plant-based sources as well as animal sources. Absolutely. And just that type of information so people know how to build those balance plates. And we touched earlier on fiber and water, which we haven't really even gone into, but we really should because that's also essential, isn't it? It, it absolutely is. And, and, you know, once we begin to understand those components and uh, from a young age, as you mentioned, if this becomes part of a curriculum or the, the modules that uh, our, our children follow, even if it is part of our secondary school uh, education system, then we don't need to stress about it as much because it just becomes part of what we know and about what, what we learn. But certainly being hydrated, adequate uh, adequate fluid i mean some people don't even know that uh, f- fruit for example is a good contributor to our, our hydration mm. um and, and an awful lot of the time when you mention fiber when people think about fiber the, the they're asking you know they know well, where do i get fiber how how do i meet this recommendation for fiber which is again over 30 grams per day people um People want to talk about supplements or they want to talk about really specific foods. They don't want to hear, well, actually, most vegetables and most fruits, if Mm. you're eating that recommendation again, you'll meet that need for fiber. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, absolutely. And it's... Uh, this is where eliminating food groups and not building balanced plates come into account. And then we've got public health guidelines like, you know, just get your five a day. But the fact that most of the population aren't doing that means fibre intakes are low. We know that 
I know in the UK, the stat that we've got from national diet and nutrition surveys have always come up that we're nearly half, like 50% lower than we should be mm-hmm. with reaching our fiber content and without going off because we've got other episodes on gut health, of course, but we know now how essential it is for our bowel movements, our nutrient absorption in the small intestine for the just the role that our gut plays in production of short chain fatty acids even and signaling to our brain how important it is that we eat these fruit and vegetables and i haven't even touched on phytonutrients i mean Mm -hmm. let's go there daniel because that's another key area people don't think about sure uh but a a quick very very quick story uh i i was talking to a friend of mine very recently about uh his son that was really suffering with constipation Mm -hmm. and uh the you know, he, he wants to know well, what what can we do. It's re- and, and it brings so much stress and and discomfort. Yeah. And you, you're looking for very simple ways to to help alleviate it. And you know, the first question again is, you know, what supplement? What what can we do? What can we what can we give him? Well, I said, you know, have you tried have you tried lentils and a bit of sweet potato? Mm. I tell you, that'll get things moving. And they mm. go, oh, re- you know, really, really, and and it's those type of very very simple practical recipe ideas even yeah. that can that can really help with those preventing those type of things and if those people if, if you have that awareness again where fiber comes from and which foods are higher higher in fiber makes life an awful lot easier absolutely and i let yes touch on a little tip for anybody with kids out there just start the morning with a breakfast that does contain like porridge and fruit or add some fruit to the weetabix or cereal of choice in the morning and just that'll start things going straight away lots of water but yeah Yeah. phytonutrients sorry i love that story daniel yeah yeah so phytonutrients um phytonutrients i suppose is a really broad term for the micronutrients that we mentioned a little bit earlier and and phyto is relevant uh, a reference to plant and most of the phytonutrients we get are from those plant sources so it's antioxidants, um, it's nutrients that uh, are from, you know, if I, I think about phytonutrients, it's it's what gives plants their color. Uh, so if you think about your your carrots and you think about uh, your sweet potato and all of those different types of colored vegetables, one phytonutrient in there may be uh, beta-carotene. Whereas within... Um, uh, things like your, uh, of course, I would think about wine and alcohol again. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think about things like resveratrol and yeah. <clears throat> the, these different types of phytonutrients have uh, links to our uh, to uh, longevity and mm. to help to protect our body against. Um, the challenges that are faced from our environment um, and the things that we're exposed to. So what we want to try and do is have a diet that is rich in phytonutrients, that supports our immune system, that supports um, the the protection of our... uh, uh, I'm trying to keep this as simple as possible. I don't want to go into reactive oxygen species and I don't want to go into any of that kind of (laughs) language, but just it's a protection of our body. Yeah, yeah, like little fighter helpers that are yes. going to fight off things that may enter that we don't want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a good way. I, I often use the analogy of, you know, we we if you think about an engine and or uh, uh, something like a 
a car that's functioning really well. It's been it's been well looked after and it's not producing a lot of smoke, if you know mm. what I mean, where, mm. where the oil is kept nice and clean and there's a good changeover. There's plenty of water in the filters. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you picked a car. And I mean, I did. Yeah, not my area there with the cars, but I can say absolutely it's food is such a bigger topic and just to let all our listeners know as we said earlier these areas are still being researched there's continuous research i mean i think the last lecture i attended there was a research study going on champagne you know the benefits of yeah this is an interesting one are there any can we pull anything from champagne so there are scientists all the time trying to just discover different little things and the way our body ticks you know what it needs from our food but if we bring this back to conversations i think all of our listeners will sadly have seen online which is phrases like if it fits your macros it's fine i mean there was one phase several years ago and i wasn't quite immersed in this industry so i I never really fully understood it but there were lots of people making um these bowls of food on YouTube that were macro fitting bowls and it just kind of gave the emphasis to everybody but that the way you should be eating is by following a macro based diet. Could you explain perhaps how this came about and is there any truth to this phrase? Well, most of it, if it fits your macros, generally relates to people who are looking to build muscle mass or reduce body fat. So it's very tightly it's very tightly bound to people with those type of goals. I mean, I I don't really know anybody. I haven't had any conversations with people who have been using this type of strategy or approach for just general health and well-being. Mm. Um, so it became very popular because it's almost like using um, a spreadsheet or a very specific app to calculate what our specific energy levels are on any given day. And we know if we're in a calorie deficit or if we're in a calorie surplus, we will either build muscle or put on Mm. body fat or reduce body fat. So it's a mathematical way of uh, approaching our food. And the idea is that it doesn't necessarily matter what the value is from a nutrition point or from a phytonutrient, as you mentioned, or a micronutrient perspective, as long as the calories and the macros are right. So mm. the most often or most common uh, way of approaching it would be uh, that you would break it down into percentages, as I, as I would have mentioned before, it could have been you know, 40 to 50% carbohydrate and 25% of calories then from protein and, and fat. And uh, it 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 it's a very um, I, 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 all of my experience is that it's a very short term uh, mm. approach towards achieving a specific goal without any f- greater focus around how the food makes you feel, the value of eating socially, um, our longer term health, building good habits and behaviors. And in fact, it can have a corrosive uh, relationship with food where people become obsessed with the numbers related to a food and not the experience of of eating the food. And I've had a lot of people in my clinic over the last couple of years who intermittently, nobody does it consistently because it's next to impossible to do, but people do it intermittently and then don't understand how to eat normally again with any confidence in what they're doing. 
So that's a kind of a long-winded version of the the experience that I've had. Um, mm. uh, it's uh, it's a very controversial topic because so many people are quite embedded in this is the only way to do it. Whereas it's not that all aspects of it are really negative or have that, as I said, that corrosive effect. It's that it's how it's used and it's mm. where a person is within their skill set, within their knowledge around food and within their broader habits. So yeah. that's that's probably a, a, a good overall uh, summary of it. I think it's brilliant. And what kind of popped into my head uh, with your summary there, Daniel, was the fact that we've got hypotheses and we've got calculations and we've got numbers again, which in theory makes sense, but applying them to a human being is just complex. And, you know, humans are human. This mm-hmm. is the difference. This is why mm-hmm. sometimes, like you said, it can have that corrosive impact. And we experience a lot as well in the Retrition Clinic, negative impacts of food that have come and stemmed from, I guess, confusion. Mm-hmm. Because if we are looking at this macronutrient approach, where does an egg fit? You know, do you put it as a yeah. fat or do you yeah. put it as a protein? Yeah. So it's very interesting how it categorizes food but in theory of course it makes sense you need to make sure you're getting enough of certain macronutrients if muscle building is your goal you need to make sure the energy is there to provide that Mm -hmm. if body fat loss is a goal of course it makes sense that you need to make sure that the key macronutrients you're getting enough of but like we said it's flawed again in the sense that it's not sustainable and it can have really negative impacts on food and doesn't take into account anything we've discussed in this episode, like phytonutrients no. and fiber. And yes, it's interesting because I'm sure we've had situations in the clinic and it often arises around body competitions and things um, where digestion is impacted so heavily from a mm-hmm. result of a carbohydrate restriction, focusing on macronutrients and proteins and fats. So, Anyway, there's a lot there. And basically for our listeners, it's not the only way if, if you're looking at, you don't have to do that, do you? There's other ways. Yeah. And I, the, the thing that's coming really sharply into focus for me um, over, over the years is this, how important it is to, to be in touch and reflect on the experience of food and how that food actually makes you feel. You know, you talked about, we're talking about different uh, uh, variations in the amount of carbohydrate, protein or fat, but how does that make you feel? So uh, people can approach food in a number of different ways. And and a a very specific example comes up. There was a jockey, a very, very well-known, very successful jockey that I worked with, who was on a very low calorie diet for most of his career. And I Mm. bumped into him. He didn't even, it wasn't a particular uh, professional relationship that we had started. (laughs) But he, he, I said to him, you know, there's so many different ways that you can go about achieving what you're trying to achieve. You don't need to have, he's experiencing mood swings. It was affecting his relationship at home. And I talked to him about a Uh, you can still achieve a low calorie diet, but having it really rich in nutrients. So his thing was a bottle of Lucozade energy and a Mars bar and a couple Mm. of rice cakes. And that was it for the day because he wanted to stay within those, that range of calories. Mm. And I said, you know, 
things like spinach and different types of vegetables, they've got such a low amount of calories. But the experience of eating that food with a protein source and with a a balanced array of nutrients is completely different. It was life-changing for him, life-changing. And he still wasn't on a much higher calorie intake. He was still achieving his goals. And he always said, I've heard him on radio, I wish I knew this sooner. Oh, yeah. It's it's sad because you think about, I think people often aspire to these high profile names and people that have achieved these um, sporting um, moments, which quite rightly so is incredible. But it's often, you know, the the player or the sportsman or woman's Mm. mental Mm. health isn't often considered and the impact food has on our mental health. And I love that you brought in our relationships there as well. Because so often food is such a huge social component that if you're eating differently to your social group, that that can be isolating, can't it? It really can. And I've worked with families where one family member is doing this. It it fits your macros. And what they're eating is, a, you know, they're eating a turkey burger and they're eating, uh, you know, just two pieces of vegetables and that's it. But the family dinner was mm. a delicious stew or lasagna or a, you know a curry but because the person doesn't know how that fits their macros they can't be part of that experience um so th- i have seen it i've experienced it uh, and it, 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 you know it's it's about explaining that you you ha- you can achieve all of these goals from a performance or from a health perspective by stick into some very simple principles and 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 I I all I talk over and over and over about balanced meals mm. and mixed meals and people get away from you know if it's not that you're removing any component but if you have a source of protein carbohydrate and fat at each meal and that's color and that's like most people do have a, a broad understanding of those components your energy levels will be balanced. You're getting those phytonutrients that we're talking about. And your mm. appetite, we, f- we, do, we forget to talk about that fulfillment. Your appetite will be much easier to be maintained or managed too, even if you're going uh, trying to achieve a calorie deficit. Yeah, absolutely. And it does lead me on to, so I'm just looking at the questions we've had from our listeners as well there, Daniel, because this has been a very popular topic and I'm so glad we finally got time to record this together. Um I think it, we should start with Henry's question, actually, from what you've just said. And I think this does encompass the fear of how to live without doing it, if that's what you've been doing. So Henry said, if I stop tracking my macros, I'm worried I won't hit my protein nutrient goals. How else can I manage this? Well, I think it's uh, it's uh, we can talk this through as, as you brought up the question, because different um, uh nutritionists or dietitians have, have, have different approaches to this. But one of the things I found really effective is, okay, well, let's do it. Let's, if you've been tracking for a long period of time, let's track two days a week. Mm. Let's, 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 let's reduce the number of days that you're tracking. And what I get my clients to do is I, I get them to think about and even write down and reflect how is the food making them feel what are their hunger levels like? What are their energy levels like? What what was the experience like? You know, to to really let's let's draw that out, and we've got the reference points 
from tracking before. So if you have been tracking for a time, well, let's start looking at, well, what are the food components that are making up that? You know, and, and, and once we start to do that, we've got a reference point for the day or two that we are going to continue to tracking, but we're getting to a much more intuitive uh, a, a ton, you know, a much more automated, as the word I was looking for, automated approach to our food, where we're starting to value different things. We're starting to value the food, the taste, the experience, the social aspect, mm. and it will still. We still have our background and our reference for our macronutrients. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. It's like a gradual stepping stone approach to uh, to overcoming it because it's very difficult to just suddenly get out yes. of a habit that's yes. informed and behavior changes we know take takes time yeah. um that was really good advice daniel thank you um let me just pick the next one so lisa has said and i know as a parent yourself daniel you can probably you know see where she's coming from she said i'm worried about my girls seeing numbers always being used with food how can I prevent them getting caught up with this? I don't have their ages. That's just the question she submitted. Well, I, um, I've, I've, I'm very, very interested uh, in children's nutrition as, a, as I since I did become a parent. And mm. the more I read and the more experts uh, that I listen to, the, the big thing is leadership and mm. it's showing example. And uh, children will replicate so much of what they see. And we know as parents that children go through different phases. But as long as you're consistent as a parent and the values in the home are around the experience of the food, the nourishment of the food and it being positive, then that the, the, your children will adopt that value system. So I, I, I think that it's, it's encouragement um, and it's, it's being supportive of the right messages. I'm sure you've got something to add yourself on that. Oh, absolutely. I love it. Role modeling, I say. That's exactly it. It's role modeling. They do. They're like sponges. They um, really are. But also acknowledging the fact that, you know, there's this phrase, you know, fussy eaters, every child is going to be a fussy eater. Like, no, no child isn't going to go for a phase of refusing foods or seeing their friends when they go to school doing things a certain way. But I agree with Daniel, the best thing that you can take control of is how you set example at home and also acknowledging sometimes things are not always going to be as straightforward, but it's the consistent messaging that I think is yeah. the best thing. I, I'd add one other very important thing that I've learned. <laughs> that mm -hmm. is no drama. No drama. Yeah, no. calm meal times. Calm, calm meal times. Even <laughs> though I, I, I had a, an incident um, this week where I spent hours with preparation of the meal, hours. And uh, I turned around after cooking the food for my, for my little girl and it was on the floor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was, you know, I'm trying to stay calm, uh, but they don't care or they don't know how much energy or time you've put into it. That's not how their brain works. <laughs> so staying nice and calm and just uh, uh, offering the food again. And if they don't want it, they don't want it. Yeah, it's oh anyway, that's a whole other podcast episode, but absolutely I feel your frustration there Daniel. We are moving on to our fact or fiction round. Are you ready? 
Yeah, I remember the last time the factor fiction. I remember, oh my god, oh, there's a bit of yeah. Okay, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Okay, all right. I know you're sleep deprived, so we've we've been kind-ish. Um, <laughs> question one: Water soluble vitamins need to be consumed regularly. Oh, that's oh, yeah. Mostly, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can help me out. Yep, fact. We'll go with fact yeah, on that fact. one. Yeah. Um, macronutrients include vitamins and minerals. Uh, that's false. Fiction. There, yes, fiction. There is a daily intake guide for women and men for the number of macro and micronutrients they need. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Um, Fibre is a vital part of a healthy diet, but is not oh. included in macronutrient counting. That's true. Counting calories is the best way to lose weight. Oh, that's fiction. Environmental factors will influence macro and micronutrient absorption. Fiction. Health tests for counting nutrient intake are at least 90% accurate. Oh, say that again. So health tests, you know, tests you can get through the post for counting, <laughs> you know, nutrient intakes are at least 90% accurate. Oh, fiction, 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 <laughs> fiction. Um, micronutrients are vital to stay healthy. Oh, that's, that's true. That's fact. Fortified products are only necessary for pregnant women. Uh, oh, um, <laughs> fiction yeah i'd say lots of people could benefit from fortified foods to be yeah, honest these days yeah, yeah. um even if i wasn't pregnant right now recording this i'd be eating them um tracking food apps are the answer to weight loss and physique goals that is most definitely fiction i can answer to that and you made it through. That was our fact or fiction round, Daniel. <laughs> you, you should have podcasts for each one of those questions. Yes, I completely agree. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the food test. One, yeah. I, oh, my goodness. Right. Uh, you, you, you said 90% accurate. I would say 90% inaccurate. <laughs> yes, yes. I think we flipped the stat. Um, yeah. It's, I'm sure Daniel and I both obviously working in this area witness to everybody listening. And it, it, do you know what? It's not actually funny. It's really sad. It's the fact that so many companies make a profit off telling you what's going on in your body when they don't actually have the data to be able to tell you anything. Yeah, it's a worrying one. But that does nearly wrap up our episode. And we always finish with a food for thought. And I think after our discussion today, I'll kick off by... Let's just say what we always say. There's no one size fits all. Um, we have the right to education, the right to learn. We want to do the best by our bodies that we possibly can. But it's not always easy. I mean, you're given a general public health number, which is fine. But your age, your gender. I mean, I will also add there's a lot of gender bias and a lot of the public health guidelines that are based on men, not women. So there's still gender bias there. There's genetics. Our metabolisms are different. The level of physical activity. There are preferences, you know, cultural preferences that you may need to consider. And if you're concerned about anything, please speak to a health professional. Go to your doctor, which will be your first free point of call before you can be referred elsewhere. Or perhaps you can consider private clinics like Daniel's and myself at Retrition Clinic. But 
Daniel, let me hand over to you. Do you have a summary for today, a good food for thought? I do. I'm actually going to start backwards. I think that I have learned uh, that expertise are, if you really want to understand something, whether it be financial planning or performance improvement, strength and conditioning, it doesn't matter what it is. I think we have the access to the information. And if we really want to understand it, you're better to invest in it. And I I go back to Mm. just what you referenced, reaching out to a trusted source of information. I used to always feel like this. I used to feel like, well, you know, we can wade through the information and our experience will teach us a lot. But if you really now want to understand something, you are better to get that support and that professional guidance. Yeah, absolutely. Daniel, as always, it's such a pleasure chatting. I feel like like we could talk forever, but I know that sadly we can't on the episode. But thank you so much for coming on Food for Thought. Where can our listeners go to learn more about what you're up to? Well, I think the big thing that I do, I, I talk about nutrition through the language of food and recipes and uh, and meal ideas. And I'm very, very big on that. And um, I get great feedback on the simplicity of the recipes and little things like shopping lists on, on my website. And, and that's now what I really enjoy hearing that people are using my, my mm. meal ideas. So davynutrition.com or davynutrition on my Instagram page. Oh, wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on Food for Thought. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Honoured to be back on again. Thank you. (laughs) If you've all enjoyed Food for Thought, you're going to love what's coming up. We've got so many amazing episodes. So if you're not already, make sure you subscribe because that way it will just pop up and tell you it's ready for you to listen to every single Monday. And it would be brilliant if you have time to leave a review. I know now and understand that these reviews of how you feel the podcast goes or if you learn anything from it can help other people reach it and hopefully they'll be able to take a lot away from it too. So for more information about my best-selling book, The Science of Nutrition, The Retrition Clinic, if you want to book in and get some advice, healthy recipes, and so much more, please go and visit retrition.com. And I really can't wait to share this with you. Retrition Plus is finally here, my new supplements company that puts science to work for your well-being. Finally, we offer folic acid sprays, vitamin D sprays, and a vegan multivitamin. So just head over to retritionplus.com and you can follow me at retrition on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.